Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode 74. I'm your host, Brennan Carey, and today I'm joined by Adam Sink. What up, Adam? Not much. How's everybody doing? Which is really just you at this point. It's just, it's really kind of like it's reflecting back on me. But we also have Richie Buzzkill. Richie Buzzkill, what up? How you doing, buddy? Oh, just a, a little tired and hungover. It's all good. Discord. Yeah, you sound kind of hungover, and you were having trouble getting onto the Discord. Yeah. You were just like, it was like, uh, you were asking me nonsensical questions via text with, with like seven minutes to record time. Holy shit, bro. What were you up to last night? Oh, I was just up till two in the morning playing uh, Demigods, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that later. That sounds great. All right, yeah, that's something to talk about. But today we have some special guests, special guest hosts, some of my favorite people in role playing, some of my favorite people in podcasting, my personal podcasting heroes. We have Michael from Darker Days Radio. What up? Yes. I'm on Full Metal RPG. I finally made it. I'm at the cool kids table. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you've finally fallen to this to the depths? I'm sorry. It's all downhill from here, man. Sorry yeah, to tell yeah. you. This is like the surreal life of podcasting. It's just anyway. Um, that's an old joke. Uh, and we also have Chris from Darker Days Radio. Doc Ether, what up? How you doing, buddy? Hello. I am good. Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, everything's good. Very stoked. I am so excited to have you guys on the show. I am so excited. It's, this is literally a dream come true. I never thought we would get to this point. And uh, it's been about a year since we were on, on Darker Days, and uh, I, I, I handed in to you guys like this incredibly shitty audio signal for like my big moment of like, I recorded this like super crappy like audio clip and gave it to you guys, and now I'm on, I was on DDR sounding terrible, Adam sounds great, I sound terrible, and uh, now a year later, we're having you guys on, we're bringing it full circle, I'm so happy to have you, uh, and, and, and of course, Darker Days Radio is... Michael, why don't you tell us about why don't you tell us about Darker Days, the legendary podcast? Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, Darker Days started over ten years ago. Uh, it was actually started by two different people, an American and an English uh, gentleman, and uh, now it's run by a couple Americans, a couple English people, and uh, an Australian as well. And uh, it is a now a horror gaming podcast, but it originally started as a uh, World of Darkness Chronicles of Darkness podcast, focused on all the uh, like really cool rad White Wolf properties from the 90s and you know early aughts um but we've kind of grown from there and uh gotten a lot more into uh general horror gaming we talk about mantras quite a bit as well um and all that good stuff so football rpg is really like a an awesome you know show to to talk to talk to you guys uh about all the good stuff going on uh because we have a lot of similar interests we really do. We really do. You guys are like after our own hearts because you guys, the stuff that's important to you guys is the stuff that's important to us. Um, and so we love your show and we love your takes. Uh, and we're just super happy to have you on. So without any further ado, let us get to the good shit where we talk about what it is that we bought. Um, let's start with our guests. Have you guys have you guys made any role playing purchases lately? What'd you pick up? What's the hot shit? 
Oh, uh, let's think. Um, hmm, did I buy anything new roleplay-wise? Uh, no, I think most of the stuff I picked up recently has been sent as review copies of something. So obviously, uh, I've been last night I've been doing getting ready to prep uh, running cult. So I've been going through the review copy of that uh, some more and preparing characters. And that's bloody quick. Like making characters in cult is is dead simple. Um, but just before coming on the show, uh, I was putting together some miniatures for Conquest by Parabellum, uh, which they sent me a Ooh. review copy of that uh, a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, it's um, the big monster that has multiple arms. It's a bit of a pig to put together, but it'll look pretty sweet. The uh, Spire's Elf yeah, thing. The Abomination. And then uh, I just also, before getting on the show, um, sprayed up the Gene Sillers from the 2014 edition of Space Hulk. So I've got the um, the Wraithbone GW spray that I'm trying out with the contrast paint. So they're they're primed. They just need to have contrast paint splashed all over them. Nice. See what happens. So, I was going to try that on my GSCs. Let yeah, me know how yeah, that turns yeah. out. It should be. I've got Sayish purple, so that should look pretty sweet on them. I've already done the um, the Termies, uh, Terminators in. Blood Angels red, but I'm not going to paint them up as Blood Angels. They're going to be um, Blood Ravens because Blood Ravens are much cooler than Blood Angels. They are Gabriel um, Angelos with his terrifying timber. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it on the gaming front. We've got a, 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 a we didn't get a session in this week of um, of Wrath and Glory, but that's the main thing we've been running recently since we finished uh, Vampire and. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay um, before uh, as well, so um, yeah, I just need to finish the session of 40k and then it'll be into Cult so uh, yeah, that's my gaming right now and miniatures stuff Awesome, awesome. Michael, how about you man, you pick up anything good? And I guess we'll just kind of fold uh, what we've been playing into that since since, since Chris did, because that, that was your report on what you've been playing as yeah, well, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah. Okay, great. All yeah, right. we'll, just, we'll just make it two and one. Alright, we'll do, we'll do Okay, so um yeah, I actually just completed some purchases on uh, some Ooh. some real good stuff from the early '90s. Uh, there was like Ooh, a couple, tell me more, a couple, tell me more. A couple of Meiji Ascension books that this person was selling for wicked cheap. It was on eBay, obviously. Uh, but the real thing I scored is uh, Macross to the role playing game from Palladium <laughs> Books. Nice. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> oh, I've seen. <laughs> I haven't seen I, that book in forever. <laughs> oh, I can't I can't wait to dig into this thing. It's gonna be just so unbalanced. I remember <laughs> when I was I must have been like ten or eleven and I was looking at my brother's Robotech RPG books from Palladium, and even at that point in my life, not knowing anything about games, I was like, Whoa, this stuff is so unbalanced and like they put no effort <laughs> into like any kind of basic basic mathematics, basic accounting to figure out like, oh yeah, yeah, battle pods are fifty MDC and like regular infantry battle armor for schmucks in this other Robotech setting, 50 MDC. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an embarrassment, but it's going to be fun to read through and just see what kind of like wacky things uh, Kevin Symbieta, like just made up uh, to be part of the setting to uh, just kind of fill the page count and all that. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> Are you going to run it? No, I, I no. No, I, I still a actually have intellectual exor- exercise for you. You're not gonna. You have no chance. No, no chance of you putting this on the table. No, but Brendan, a long time ago, you convinced me to purchase Nightbane, and I think I'm gonna run that sometime. I think it's gonna happen. Maybe just a one shot. But CJ Carella, 
deep mm. down underneath all the all the SDC and the hit points and the 46 down the line for stats there is like a cool setting there and some really cool concepts and, oh man, ah, I know. Fucking fucking uh, Nightbane is just one of those nightbreak or uh, heartbreaker games, right? I mean, it's like oh yeah, you you bust that thing out and you're like you're like wow, he was definitely like drinking pretty heavily from like the Vampire Cup, but he was also reading like a lot of Spawn comics, and you're like you're like man, this could be so cool, uh, but I have to really get in there with a knife and I gotta like carve it up. I you just, know what I'm saying? I right? just remembered. Mike, what's one thing I, I forgot? There's one thing I did buy the other week, which I'm re- which I'm reading for review, and which fits this theme as well, which is Demon oh, yeah. Hunter X. I picked up a pristine copy of that from my friendly local. <laughs> oh man! About ten quid, and it's like, oh my god, it's the same kind of junky, schlocky vampire shit, basically. So yeah. DDR yeah, might I... run some of that, maybe. <laughs> oh, you're going to run it? You're going to put that on the table? I think so. Are you going to run it ironically, or are you going to run it like straight out of the book? I will run it to emulate uh, the anime Wicked City um, uh, pretty much straight on the nose, like, you know, typical anime horror stuff. And forget the rest of the world of darkness, just treat it as its own beast. Huh. Yeah, right, that might fair. work. Yeah, that's fair. Because it doesn't make sense with the rest of the world of darkness, really. It really doesn't. Yeah, make sense. It makes, yeah it's completely tonally like off base. Anyway, I remember sorry, it not Mike. being great. <laughs> I just totally remembered I bought that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Mike. Carry on. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. So that's pretty much everything for uh, purchasing. As for games I've been playing, uh, I haven't really been running anything. My Shadowrun game's kind of on hiatus because, I don't know, I've just been busy. But I was playing some City of Mist, uh, which Ooh. is a cool Powered by the Apocalypse uh, game. And it's sort of like a noir superhero mixed with like fables and mythology kind of game. Um, it's actually, it is kind of similar to Changeling the Dreaming in a good way. Because, um, you know, that, that, that setting that setting goes in a lot of different directions. But this is definitely like melding, melding mythology and uh, storytelling with, um, you know, kind of like a, a dark urban fantasy, urban horror kind of game. Uh, so it's pretty rad in that regard. And I have also been playing some Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, which is you know wow. pretty good. It's okay. How's that? It, yeah, it's, well, it's fine. It's more. <laughs> yeah, about I mean, so what are you what are you doing with it? What's what are you doing with the Dungeons and Dragons? Like, what's the what's the vibe? Okay, so uh, this is I'm playing with a bunch of people I used to play with in high school and uh, in a previous long running campaign and stuff. So we're all like really good friends. We know kind of what people are going for. Uh, but the major conceit is actually the story and setting is that we are all half siblings. Our dad was this uh, this level twenty thief called Frank, or maybe he's a bard, and he just went around the world adventuring and left many many illegitimate children across the world. And we all meet up session one at his funeral, where we find out we're getting an inheritance if we can find the other children. So it's pretty wow, sweet. That's really cool. Yeah, I fucking like that. That's a great hook. Yeah, that's a really great hook. So it's gonna be it's pretty rad so far, and uh, pretty excited to dig into it more. So yeah, D and D five e, it's it's good, it's good. If you just like want to hang out with friends, roll some dice, and tell some stories, um, you know, it's it's fine as sure. a role playing game. Right. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't want to drum it out of existence or anything. It's just you know, I mean, 
I don't get to do nearly as much gaming as I would like these days, and when I do, it's probably not going to be D&D 5. Yeah. I, I, I do kind of want to hear some of your thoughts on City of Mist and like how it plays, because I've heard some really like dramatically different takes on it, and some people are like, oh, it's the best thing since sliced bread. It lets you do all this shit that you want to do, but you can't do it in a different game. And then I've also heard people be like, the system is convoluted, and it's way too heavy, and it doesn't actually work. Yeah. What's your thoughts? <clears throat> okay, so I was actually playing City of Mist with a creator uh aim it and that kind of helped like uh crystallize a lot of things about the system because he could explain like this is why we chose like doing things in this direction this is why we chose to have these very fate like keywords everywhere um so that helps but yeah i can definitely see if you just picked up city of mist and we're reading through it there's a lot of um there's a lot of terminology that doesn't make much sense like what is juice you know is it what does it really represent what is, what does it mean in this game it's really just kind of a vague arbitrary term for like your your power level so like uh like dragon ball z or something where they're powering up for like three episodes they're just building up their juice basically <laughs> um yeah. but that could be completely different for another character um so that's one of the issues and also it's it's a very good game but um it has that same issue that Fate has, where if the aspects and keywords that you choose are uh, too specific, your character is not as good. But if they're too vague, then you know you can just use those keywords all the time and you know kind of just abuse the system. And um, there's not—I don't know of a good way to kind of like moderate that during character creation. So the character I made is um, uh, kind of this like Baba Yaga, witch from the woods, except now she's a homeless woman with a shopping cart, um, and. She, I just put, picked very specific keywords, and because of that, she was very, very underpowered compared to other characters that were in the party. Um, and I was able to kind of change things, adjust things as we went, but you know, it was just kind of a eye-opening as to the the issues with character creation. Now, is that game based more on um, fate, or is it based more on PBTA? Because it was my understanding that it was kind of a PBTA game, but every time I hear somebody talk about, it, they always talk about fate. Yeah, so it's a basic system of Powered by the Apocalypse. So you have the, uh, you know, you roll 2d6 and you want to get um, eight or more, no, seven or more uh, on your dice. And it's pretty much like that. But instead of having like um, basic attribute numbers that you add to your roll, you have to look at the different keywords on your sheet and pick ones that would apply oh. to this roll to build up your power. So that's why you have that okay. kind of fate aspect feel as you have to I negotiate see. with the. Uh, storyteller game master uh, to basically convince them that you can get these extra points which also also kind of slows the game down uh, as you know with fate you know you spend a lot of time negotiating basically to convince the storyteller that this cool thing you want to do is cool enough to get extra bonuses yeah yeah fate is the game of like strong personalities uh contesting with the gm and then the gm essentially abdicating or being like a, an iron person who like doesn't let you do stuff yeah yeah okay okay all right cool well I, that's that, that gives me a good sense of it that gives me a good sense of it thank you um so uh adam what you got bro you, you buy anything you buy anything recently dog so the i bought one thing recently i picked or i uh, i ordered a copy of tales of the jedi companion for west end star wars i don't have it yet but i did order it because i am a bottomless pit of buying star wars shit despite not really enjoying star wars all that much anymore <laughs> um, i am yeah, nothing dude. if not consistent in my uh you know 
Yeah, Hypocrisy. Someone who hates Star Wars so much, you do kind of spend a lot of money on Star Wars. I do. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's classic Star Wars. I'm going to be that guy. It's classic Star Wars, Brent. It's classic Dark Horse uh, Star Wars, okay? It's not the okay. new stuff. It's not It's uh, not the prequel stuff. It's classic. So, I mean, you had to get that second hand thing because they didn't, like, reprint that or anything. No. Oh, God, no, no. They didn't. I, uh, You know, and the itch was triggered by Jamie from Coliseum Rex. He posted it a while back, and I just kind of like, and then I finally found a copy for what I considered to be a reasonable price, so I wanted to snap what, that up. What, what's that? What's the reasonable price on that book? It was around 30 as opposed to some of the ones that I see Ooh. people putting up where they're like, $80, and it's like, I'm yeah. not paying $80 for Tales of the Jedi. Sorry, guys. So Right. Cool. And then uh, you play anything recently, bro? I have not. I've been trapped up in, like, the holiday madness. I've been doing a lot of mini painting. So uh, I've been painting my Speed Freaks box set up, and I wasn't really happy with how clean everything was looking, so I went back and started weathering everything to make it more orky and dirty because they're orcs and they don't take care of their stuff. Uh, I've been doing Project Dark Imperium, which is painting up all the Primaris that came in my Dark Imperium box and then all the extras that I bought through various other channels trying to get a blood angels primaris force put together for that that's coming along okay i do want to try out those contrast paints but i don't know if it'll jibe with the scheme i've already kind of established that i'm doing uh, but i am interested in checking those out after seeing chris's excellent work on uh the minis that he was painting that he put up on instagram oh uh, which one the sorry which the um uh which one's this? the boom dacker stars wagon i painted up for speed freaks as well yeah, I saw that, yeah. and then uh, I was with uh, Project Dark Imperium. I was referring to your uh, your the Blood Angels or the oh, Blood right. Ravens yeah, yeah, that yeah, you yeah, painted yeah, up yeah, for sure. Space Hulk. They looked yes. really cool. Yeah, yeah that's on your Instagram, right, Chris? Yeah, it's all on there. It's Could, all on the Darker Days Instagram. What, what's, yeah. what's the handle on this in, in case our listeners want to see it? They just need to go to Darker Days Radio, all one all one word, and it's on the Instagram there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The the Speed Freaks box is um is fun. I mean, it's um it's it's not uh it's not Gorka Morka, that's for sure. But it's mm-hmm. a very beer and beers and you know beer and pretzel type game because it's not that complicated. Right. Um, you could use it for Gorka Morka if you oh, wanted to. Yeah. Like you could use the vehicles or the the scatter terrain, which that scatter terrain took me the longest time to paint up, just given the all the little point, fiddly yeah. bits. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a good starting point because I think it's uh, it, you do get a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. It's a gr- it's a neat little game. It's a quick little game, and it like as you said, it's definitely simplified. So you know you can pick it up and run with it. Well, uh, so that's the extent of what you've been up to then. Oh, and I've also been painting my goths for Wild in the Street, so I am still working on those. Oh man, you see, you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to take some of this uh, minis talk over to the uh, the the one that like me and Chris Kohler are starting because uh, the podcast rather than he and I are starting. So yeah. uh, we're gonna have to have you on and we'll talk about some wild in the streets. And Sweet. Some of the, some of these like smaller games we're playing is that's really what we want to talk about on that on that so, podcast. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually played with them yet, but but they will be painted when I do. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, Richard, you still there, bro? I'm still here. Yeah. What uh? What, so what you what you buy, been buying and playing, man? Well, I uh, I bought one book this week, which was uh, the Seventh Sea uh, Land of Golden Fire, which is the kind of oh interesting not Africa, uh, which is the book I hear the most uh, cool stuff about, and uh, so it, it's it's a lavish 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 production as most of these uh, Seventh Sea books are, which is probably why you ran out of money, but. Um, <laughs> 
So, but it's it's really cool looking. And then I got uh, uh, Black Void, the Kickstarter for Black Void in. So I got that book, and that book is just amazing. Like awesome. How, on what level is it? Is it amazing? Well, is it like the go, go ahead and tell us the the art in it is amazing. The production of the book, like I don't know how he how they did it, but they had like crazy. Um, it's like the pages kind of sparkle a little bit. Just it's this weird. What? Yeah, it's it's this weird iridescent ink or something like that. That it's it's a it's a crazy book and it's way bigger than I thought it was going to be. Like it is a full on tome that's like four hundred pages. That yeah, I've seen them on on Insta. They're fat. They're fatty books. Yeah. So it's like a shimmer, right? Not like a glitter sparkle. Yeah, it's more of a shimmer. Okay. Did cool. you get one, Adam? No, no, I did not. I've seen I've seen it though. So. Oh, interesting. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, I was talking uh, to uh, Christopher Sevelton, and he is sending us some copies to get nice. to the uh, to get to the cult. Sweet. So, uh, so very soon here we'll be having because I mean we, he he came on he came on to to announce that for Kickstarter like a long time ago. It seems like a different life, and uh, you know FMRPG was a much smaller show at that time, and. Uh, I mean, he wasn't like being distributed by Modifius at that time either. So I mean, Black Void's really come a long way, and it's super cool to see it being fulfilled right now. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm stoked to get a couple because I think he's sending us two copies of the core book to get into the hands of listeners. So I'm, I'm stoked for uh, for people to be able to engage with that. Well, keep your eye out for that. Yeah, yeah no definitely. shit. Uh, like the whole the whole journey. Let's see what have I been doing. Uh, you know, like I said before, and, you know, before we get started, my my game got fucking canceled. So, um, you know, we were, I was supposed to be I was supposed to be playing something down at the game store at our uh, Friday night role playing club, and then they were like, "Oh, dude, uh, Watsy wants uh, Magic to be front and center this week, so you guys can hit the bricks." And I was like, "Well, I guess what? that means, yeah, <laughs> that means like <laughs> I guess I can go uh, see Midsummer." Which was uh, pretty interesting. That's a good film. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it for the horror crowd. Get your asses into the seats and watch that one. There's definitely some good takeaways for role-playing in it. But So I haven't gotten to run anything. Kind of like Chris, I have been working on a cult game. I want to do a home game, so I've been like putting together notes. I know you're not supposed to plan too deeply, but so when I say put together notes, I mean I've been doing the research for a, uh, for a cult game, and then I've been kind of recruiting a table slowly um very excited for that very stoked for that in terms of what i have bought like uh again kind of like adam i have a bunch of stuff that i bought and paid for and that has not showed up at my house yet and i'm a little bit kind of like uh, i'm not miffed i'm just kind of like waiting for it to be here one of them is a, is a is a game book order that i put in like i feel like quite a while ago and i haven't gotten it and i'm having one of those like tooth gnashing moments um I ordered a bunch of uh, saga books from uh, a miniatures game company, and then uh, Chris Kohler, my homie Chris Kohler, got me into the game, the the game Saga, for its uh, Age of Magic expansion, which is like its cool fantasy game expansion. And so uh, I needed some rule books for it, and they have not yet arrived. And then uh, our sponsors at Exalted Funeral are doing like a big all July. Uh, discount month and so you should go on exaltedfuneral.com and check that out because like everything is marked down and uh, I was like well, I'm I'm not gonna sleep on this and I uh, went ahead and got um, Mothership 
the expansion for Mothership that we gave away on the show like months ago. Um, I got those for myself, and then I got a PDF uh, expansion for um, Disciples of Bone and Shadow. So that once I finish the my first Disciples of Bone and Shadow campaign, I can do like another one that has like a different theme. So I'm like really stoked. I mean, there's you know a lot of cool stuff coming in, but uh, I don't have it in my hot little hand yet. And so that's kind of what I've been doing. Just savor that's, the anticipation. Well, yeah, you know, uh, as they say, wanting is better than having. So, I mean, I mean, once I have the books, what are they going to do? Sit on my shelf? You know, I mean, the fucking cult book is really thick. It's thick, <laughs> yeah. you know? It takes it takes a lot of time to get to read through that game and kind of get it, like, off the ground. I mean, I, I, I'm not... It's not well, because I'm, the system is hard. Go, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I was going to say, because um, I'm not going to run a, a scenario that I'm going to homebrew. I've been reading through the Atrocity exhibition. So, oh, cool. Um, and my inspiration on how to run that is there's a uh, there's a art museum in Manchester, which is, um, which is in a kind of like faux uh, Victorian kind of classical style uh, shell. But then internally... It's quite modern, and then when I was in uh, when I was in San Francisco for a job interview a few at the at the start of June, um, there I went to the Museum of Asian Art, and again it's the same kind of like you know huge shell of a faux classical style building, but inside it's ultra modern, and so I've totally got the the feel for how I how the um, the game should feel, so. Yeah, yeah. That, that's been inspiring me on how I how I lead the players through what like a, a exhibit room would be, and then when the walls of reality crumble away, what how they would how that would bleed into the exhibits that will be there. So I'm looking forward to run that one. I think that one of all the freebies you can download for Cult, I think that scenario is like feels quite strong. That that'll be a cool contrast. I like I like that. That I mean that just you know just screams horror movie. I think it'll feel really good. I I, I love the pitch. The pitch for it itself is great. And it kind of like I love the concept of um the way like that art intersects with horror because like art itself is sort of a attempt by people to kind of like step outside themselves and kind of like uh, experience experience like a different aspect of reality. Um, you know, I mean, Hellraiser three is probably the worst of the non-video Hellraiser movies. But <laughs> it starts out with this guy and his cheesy art collection, his like super '90s art collection, and then of course it turns out Hellraiser shit happens with it. And I've always really liked that aspect yeah. of the of the film of of an otherwise unwatchable movie. You can um, also get that kind of vibe if you watch um, if you watch uh, the yeah the film Hannibal because obviously there's a there's a high amount of like references to classical art because obviously you've got um, Hannibal Lecter giving you know a a uh, a talk uh, a lecture on art and how it intersects with like faith and so forth and so all of mm. that you can really draw upon I mean that's a lot of what I do uh, we'll get into into that but that's like a lot of what I kind of try and push into into my games as well especially like with the Venice setting for Changeling is just like I just take everything Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, hey, uh, Adam, do you want to do the uh, sponsor thing and tell, tell, tell the listeners about our sponsors yet again? And uh, then we can have a little break and when we come back, we'll discuss, the, uh, we'll discuss DDR. What do you think? Certainly. All right. Go for it, buddy. 
Alright, Full Metal RPG is brought to you by the Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona, on the corner of McClintock and Southern. If you're in the market for board games, Warhammer, role-playing games, even chess and card games, stop into the Game Depot, let them know that we sent you, pick up some cool stuff. They have a full line of the contrast paints in if you'd like to try those out. And also, we are brought to you by Exalted Funeral. Go check out Exalted Funeral, as Brendan alluded to. They have a great sale going on right now. Stop on by, pick up some cool, off-the-beaten-path books, occult stuff, RPG stuff. And, uh, you know, Matt is a great guy. We love him. So show him some love and kick him some funds. Those are yeah, our sponsors. Yeah, support support uh, Underground Role Playing. Do it. Do the shit. All Do right, it or yeah, you're nothing. You can get Colt on there too. You can get Colt on there, bro. So if you're yep. having trouble getting Colt in your like local game store meta, then like by all means go there because I've only ever seen it in one one store. If you live in the uh, San Diego area, and I know that we have some uh, listeners in the San Diego area, uh, Game Empire has Colt on the mm. show. So that's all I have to say about that. All right, so a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk to our guests about their amazing podcast. All right. So, welcome back to Full Metal RPG, and Adam and Brendan, in the typical jerk style, uh, decided that what I was playing was not important. Since I've got the mic right now, I'm going to just go ahead and start. I am not a typical jerk. I'm an exceptional jerk. All right. Exceptional. Exceptionalism. Uh, So I got to play uh, two things this week, which is pretty exciting. Uh, One was I got to play Fiasco with people who had never role played before. Awesome. So, (laughs) yeah. So that was... uh, they showed up for beginners D and D night, and they didn't have enough DMs. So I was like, "Hey, wait! I have Fiasco sitting on this shelf over here. Does anybody want to play a Coen Brothers movie?" So we basically played uh, Fargo uh, in in oh not so many ways, and there was a cocaine smuggling cult in like uh, a, uh, a, a a Indian run casino. Uh, and murders and mayhem, and it was it was just so glorious to see people who had never played any role playing games or like one or two sessions in D anD D, like getting down on fiasco. It was so much fun. Was anyone in the cult named Jared? Uh, no, but his name was missed Ralph. opportunity. Yeah, well, I wasn't in the cult, or otherwise, I, I and I didn't know they were smuggling cocaine till after they started. So, mm. <laughs> and then I got to play uh, demigods uh, last night, actually, with uh, a friend friend of the show, Christopher Gray, was in town with some of his designer friends, and Jason. Uh, uh, the designer was there, and he was running Cult for everybody. Or not Cult. Bleh. He was running uh, Demigods, which is kickstarting later this week. It's a PBTA. Like uh, everybody is a, a, a well, sort of like Scion. Everybody's a, a son or daughter of or non-binary of a god in some way. So you don't have to be as connected as you are in in Scion, but 
it's a uh, it's really really interesting and i'm really excited about uh doing kickstarter and maybe uh having an interview with him later so so uh so tell us about the game how did it go uh it went really well it's sort of uh it, in a way it co- kind of reminded me of kind of into the spider-verse a little bit so everybody was playing kind of a different pantheon so you kind of got the uh like i feel like this person was uh Chris, Chris was playing the stranger, which is kind of a, a demigod of the movie god, god of movies, and he was playing basically a cowboy, and I was playing an ultra hipster, uh, <laughs> and, and and I was sling, slinging ice cream, and then there was a a guy playing a a, a demigod of uh, basically the sun god of Japan. And all about commies and all that stuff. And then somebody was playing the demigod of the square root of I. So math demigod. And basically we were, uh, this is kind of an unusual situation in this world where these demigods can even be near each other. Because their fates, if they're near each other, uh, can collapse the the weave of fate. But this... uh, because you come together around an event and then become kind of a, a coterie and uh, and we met uh, we, we we all went to Death Valley and we're h- hanging out uh, at night in Death Valley and met Coyote uh, the god uh, trickster god and he's like somebody's going to try and turn Death Valley into a green wondrous place uh, this needs to stop this is a place of death and it needs to stay that way so. It turns out that somebody was trying to turn Death Valley into farmland uh, for pot, and <laughs> and uh, so we had to kind of stop Philip Morris, the god of tobacco, from uh, from turning the whole valley into pot farm. So, so, so this is, sounds kind of like American Gods, really. It sounds like some like, like kind of PBTAing American Gods, the Neil Gaiman novel. Yeah, that's that's pretty much like. American Gods or uh, like Percy Jackson or some of these other like uh, everybody's descended from gods in some way and yeah it's it's a little lower power level than say American Gods because those were all like gods themselves this is like the kind of children of the gods but we, we mm. were all doing some crazy some crazy stuff like I, I did. And you guys had fun with it. You oh, had a good time. Oh yeah, I had a I had a great time, and uh, it's always an amazing time when you get a bunch of designers in the room trying to play a game together. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of fun. I feel like I interrupted somebody. Was there somebody who wanted to interject there? Uh, I was going to say something that uh, this reminds me of like um, I can't remember. Is it Nephilim or is it Nobilis? Uh, where you play as like different gods that have been like depowered basically seems like just like a pulpy and way more fun version of that so Ooh, yeah, yeah definitely pretty cool very nephilim uh style yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that was brought up <laughs> and they, were, they were talking about like uh what is it innist where you if you uh crit if you're a demon if you roll six 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 and if you're a, a angel you roll one 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 you crit and it's the opposite way if you you know if you roll six 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 and you're an angel you insta or you know crit fail or whatever so yeah that was that was also brought up but uh there's there's uh i haven't played either of those games but i've just kind of always heard about them so (laughs) 
Nephilim is a bitch to make characters for. It takes fucking hours. Um. Yeah, I mean, Richard, if you want to copy a Nephilim, I'm, I have one I'm, I'm letting go. But anyway, no, okay. anyway, <laughs> moving moving on. Um, all right, so uh, you know the the reason for this celebration today is that uh, uh, Darker Days Radio uh, is in its tenth year now. Ten years of podcasting. My mm. God. My God. And so we just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to come on and speak directly to uh, our listeners about like what it is you guys are doing and like where it is that you're at with that. Like, uh, So of the 10 years, how long, uh, Michael, have you been doing the show? My- Michael and Chris, both, both of you guys. Go ahead, oh. please. Yeah. Oh, we've been, we started pretty close to the same time. Yeah. I started about, it would be like nine years ago this month. Um, so so really you've done like the majority of the 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 run yeah, yeah pretty much pretty much so what happened was we had um there were two hosts originally there was uh mark and vince and vince decided to step away after the first year and mark didn't really know what to do with the show so i kind of stepped up as a listener and was like hey you know i could just take over and like uh just kind of keep doing this i'll foot the bill as well which you know made mark pretty happy um and yeah, we just kind of kept going. Um, but the first year that I came on board was a real struggle. Uh, There's a lot of like uh, scheduling issues, and we had to like switch feeds, um, which meant that we lost a lot of listeners just on the original, the original iTunes uh, feed burner and that kind of stuff. Um, but closing in on, I guess it was like season two of Darker Days. That's when uh, Chris came on board mm. and uh, really brought in a lot of energy and helped things out. But you guys didn't know each other outside of the show previous to that. Well, we kind of did. Yeah, Yeah, because as it kind of coalesced, like all of the the hosts nowadays were all uh, people that posted on the old Shadow and Essence message board uh, back in like 2004 or so. And yeah, yeah, we just kind of all like united now under this podcast. And it's actually really wild. Like right now we have this Discord and we've had a couple of old Shadow Nessence users just like pop up and join us. They don't really listen to the show that much, but they just want to like hang out and chat, which is uh, really rad and uh, pretty cool to see all these people that are still into these games. Geez, like 15 years later. Yeah, it's been that long. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but, Mike uh, and I didn't, we didn't meet in, in person until World of Darkness Berlin, which is crazy. So by that point, we'd known each other for what, like 13 odd years, I guess? Wow. Yeah, something right. like that. Yeah. Wow, that is that is crazy. That's nuts. Um, now, as you were saying previously, <clears throat> uh, Darker Days began as a uh, World of Darkness podcast. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, I guess it began as a well, what was World of Darkness? You know, New World of Darkness, and what was known as Classic World of Darkness. So, uh, Mark and Vince essentially just you know were doing book reviews and and looking at. Um, you know, either old books that had been, you know, been released for Vampire the Masquerade and all those what were at the time defunct kind of game lines, and then also at New World of Darkness. And they, you know, the main take home with with that was like, what can you learn from the one and use in the other, and vice versa. Uh, and then, of course, they had the what is the classic, you know, secret frequency segment where they would take a a real world supernatural or folklore myth legend urban legend you have it you know something like that that you know is properly like i say properly documented but is known known about and look at how you can use that in any of the game lines that make up classic world of darkness and new world of darkness 
and really that's what the show's done for you know has and continues to do i think as time has gone on and and clearly as uh as the show has developed we've tried to get our own identity because we were so cleaving so closely to these games and as you know companies would come and go uh uh, we we needed that level of independence that if something was to go south with a company or a game line or something like you know we've got other content that we're interested in so I think you know we we do talk about board games we do talk about movies we do talk about uh, computer games and miniatures games and and other horror games so I think everything that people would be if they listen to the earlier episodes um, I think in terms of quality I don't think we've actually really We've never got worse in our quality of content. Uh, we've just diversified in the games that we talk about. Uh, and that's something I think is we're very conscious that we're trying to always say something. We're trying to say something new and meaningful rather than just going through the motions of another book review. Like if we don't have anything interesting to say about that book at that time, it's not worth looking. It's not worth doing. And the same with new releases is if, when the new release is out. You know, we want to we want to do it justice. We don't want to just froth about a new release and go, "Oh, this is awesome! You should buy it." It's like we want to properly, like you know, pick it apart. Uh, it's not often that that leads to us saying, "This is a shit product. Don't buy it." But um, you know, we do do care about those things, and I think that's also important. Like we've had opportunities. Oh, you know, do you want to be you know, do you want to be funded or you know, sponsored by us? And it's like, no, we like that independence to you know, say how we feel because we're ultimately hobbyists that care about the products and we want to be close closer to the hobbyists rather than the, the makers in that respect. Oh yeah, I completely yeah. completely hear that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh well I was just gonna say that uh you know I think it's really important for us to kind of like grow, diversify and like expand to other things because you know the gaming industry has really changed over ten years. You know yeah. Adam and uh Rich, if you guys uh, think back to like 2009 or something gaming as a whole wasn't doing that like tabletop role-playing games are not doing that great and world of darkness was in like a real rough spot they were working on that mmo which obviously never came out but uh for example vampire the masquerade that was it was dead you know it wasn't supported at all and um you know getting that kind of new content and new ideas for the what was the old world of darkness now is one world of darkness or whatever uh i think it was like a pretty important deal and also just supporting and trying to uh kind of mend the bizarre animosity between chronicles mm. of darkness players and world of darkness players i think was really <laughs> important back in the day yeah that was always a weird rift jesus yeah. i mean yeah but like i think that that's an interesting segue because i mean this is this is my question to you and this might be kind of like a little bit of like a hot button question this might be a little bit controversial <laughs> um i feel like uh White Wolf games, White Wolf properties, but especially Vampire the Masquerade. Over the last like two or three years, like I feel like Vampire's taken some knocks. I feel like it's just it's you know they said okay we're bringing it back and people were kind of excited and then people they were like talking about what they wanted to bring back and then there was immediate controversy and then they started publishing books and then there was all this controversy and um, I feel like we went from having two fan groups one being very masquerade very oop kind of 20th 
V20 centric and then another being Requiem centric. And now we just have like a, an unbelievable fragmentation across the sort of like vampirosphere or something. Like like I don't I feel like it's very difficult for people to kind of get on the same page about what this game is. It, like it uh, seems like it went from a cold war to like an actual hot war. <laughs> Well, to nobody's me, anyway. fighting in the streets. I mean, well, people are still like just. They're fighting on the message cover. boards, I guess. But yeah, think, well. Hmm. Anyway, anyway think, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, happened, please. I think it's what happened is that you know when you've had a game out for so long, and when the internet wasn't really as strong a thing as a as a as a, and it wasn't the technology wasn't there to be so constantly tapped into what was going on and what people's thoughts are of a game. You know, players can be very when we and this comes back to things like when I wrote that article for for Beasts of War for on tabletop the um, blood culture about what the community of World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness is like and how you have a vision of what it's like but actually when you start interacting in this global way that we can now a lot of your ideas of what the gaming what how people game is really not how you game so I think what we think of as the Vampire the Masquerade fan base you know back pre let's say let's say back pre 2005 maybe um or let's say back before requiem came out yeah so before 2005 2004 so you think oh everyone's playing vampire the masquerade they're already all really love the setting they're into this they all play in the same way maybe or at least we all we all believe that and it's quite fucking clear it's not that and people either really go oh yeah it was progressive and took those messages or they went Oh no! I want to be a I want to be an edge lord vampire, and I play that way, or whatever plethora of madness that people how they play vampire. And the thing that's interesting about the evolution of Vampire the Masquerade is like almost every time a new edition has been called has been announced, it's like the second coming of Jesus, and then it's not for them, and then they fucking hate it. So like you know, V twenty came out, and everyone's like, oh, why do I want to buy it all again? I already have it all, and yet people then then. They, the V20 you know, develops, they have all the other books that come out for it, and then people consider, oh, this is the definitive version, and then they announce Vampire 4th Edition, and they go, oh, that's going to be the saving, it's going to save us and everything, and, you know, V20 is so much better than Requiem, or V4 is going to blow Requiem out of the water, which, you know, it never will do, Requiem likes old shitloads. And then, you know, V4 evolved into being like V5, V5 comes out, and then the very people are going, oh, it's going to save us, are now like decrying it as being like, you know, a travesty. You can't... And the thing you learn from this is, A, the fan base is really diverse, B, you can't satisfy them all, and C, um, unfortunately, RPGs are a fucking business, and you, if you want to sell books... You're gonna. The best place to sell books is to grow your market, and you're gonna grow the market with new players. Generally. But I mean, don't, don't you feel like you you could say the same thing about Dungeons and Dragons? Like, I mean, I don't, don't you feel like all these principles oh, yeah. would apply equally to Dungeons and Dragons? But we haven't seen well, the kind think, of like vicious I think, I think acrimony it's I think it's in that true. community. I think it's I think it's true for D and D. It's true for any game line. I just think the difference is maybe that because what Vampire the Masquerade did was like you know people felt. A, a very personal con- connection with it, with like LARPing and 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 feeling like they were properly represented as like goths and outsiders and gay and lesbian and LBGT elements of it and so forth. I think people have that have such a a personal connection to it, an investment that when things change, 
it's like, do I have to change? It's like, well, no, we're not fucking asking you to change. It's like, it's not about you. It's about giving this generation their vampire. Now, it's still Vampire the Masquerade, but like, you know, come on, there are so many different weird subcultures out there in this day and age. I think part of this is the fact that if you look between like Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Vampire, kind of this weird parallels. I mean, it wasn't started at the same time, but like Vampire and Dungeons and Dragons were big in the 90s. And then when I think what happened is Vampire, because they stopped publishing in the stores and you could only get it a certain way, they kind of turned all the fans kind of turned inwards. And then every time they were trying to be dragged back into the sunlight, it was it was kind of difficult for them to accept this new thing that was out there where, I mean, there was always this thing about Dungeons and Dragons and a new version is all, there are always those people that complained, but eventually they, a lot of people got on board except for fourth. Uh, (laughs) But those, those changes actually drove a bunch of, of other games coming out where uh, vampire, because they kind of, you know, went to Requiem and then you couldn't buy a book, like, unless you went, knew where to go and who to talk to, like, you, you couldn't buy a book. So, like, you couldn't, you're not getting an influx of new blood, you're just getting these people that kind of are in the know. So that kind of breeds this kind of, elite, you know, more of the elitist <laughs> attitude, like, and that's clearly not the thing that I loved, so why would I play that? So, um, Michael... Uh, I, f- I feel like I feel like Chris has a pretty. I mean, he and I have talked offline. Uh, I feel like he has a pretty strong, like, positive endorsement of uh, the new material. How, how about you? Do you do you play the new game? Do you play V five? Uh, yeah, I've run V five. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm very very lukewarm on it uh, for a lot of reasons. Overall, the system's great and it's very cool. There's a lot of great, awesome new mechanics. Um, I just feel like the um, and and a lot of the story updates I think are very interesting and there are cool things that I'll I'll cherry pick from the uh, the new books to use in my own games basically. But likewise, I always or last few years I've been when I run Vampire I usually steal things from Vampire the Requiem. Don't tell anyone. It's pretty <laughs> obvious well, actually. Like as well, like when I'm there's totally there. Yeah, yeah. When there's vampires and well, so what happened was I was running a uh, a Boston based game. And I wanted to do this cool thing with the Tremere and have them up against the uh, the Giovanni clan uh, in, in Vampire the Masquerade. And I realized, you know, I kind of need like a third magical faction. So I figured, hey, why don't I grab the Circle of the Crone from Requiem and just put them up in Salem, Massachusetts, and just kind of have this cool like three-way occult war going on. And that worked out super well. Um, but but anyway, yeah, getting back to, to Vampire 5th Edition... Um, yeah, the book the books are okay. <laughs> that's that's pretty much my uh, my main summary. Yeah. So, but so, I'm with from, you on it. It's, the system's good. It's there's there's a finessing that's been missing. Right, right. And I think uh, one of the core things. I don't want to bag on the guy sure. too much, but um, you know, the lead storyteller for White Wolf was uh, Martin Erickson. Mm-hmm. Right, and he the words he said often were not consistent with the actions that he took. And I think that was really challenging for the um, the the fan base overall. You know, like one of the one of the little things that happens that always has kind of like irked me is that um, 
he mentioned originally that V5 was going to be this small, very accessible book, maybe like 150 pages or something. And that's <laughs> clearly not the case. It's 500 pages and it's an interesting layout, but really tough to find the information you need in it. And I think that was a huge missed opportunity because if they had stuck to their guns and made it that smaller, more accessible book, it would have a been cheaper and a lot more people, I think, would have picked it up just uh, to check it out on a whim. And B, um, would have just been like a simpler, more accessible game for people to actually play. Um, so that's that's one issue. That's That's more of a production and design thing. But from a more community management aspect, um, man, things were, last couple of years, things were all over the place. You know, there was defending certain individuals uh, who should not have been defended and um, doubling down on a lot of really bizarre content uh, until it got to the point where they were writing about uh, like ongoing pogroms or possibly some people would define it as genocide in uh the country of georgia uh which is not really good content to be covering and it was to the point where it was upsetting obviously a lot of the uh uh usual people buying the books but it was also upsetting activists over in russia and uh in oh i'm sorry wow excuse me i i made a mistake there uh this is a pogrom or genocide in chechnya um, but it was upsetting, upsetting activists in uh, Russia at the moment who are trying to you know, bring this sort of stuff to light uh, and get a lot of media attention and support from NGOs. Well, so, I mean, here's, my, here's my question, though. I mean, you guys are fans yeah. of the new cult. Is that right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, don't yeah, you I haven't read like, too much. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, then this will basically go towards okay. Chris then, because if I feel like the the uh, the new edition of Cult really is asking the players to mine contemporary events and real world like horror and real yeah. world tragedy in in a way that is like very overt, like very overt. You know, it's I mean, when you start reading about like who the the death angels and stuff are supporting and it'll be like, "Oh no, it's like they're supporting the military industrial complex in China." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, I mean think, <laughs> I think cult just has the has the benefit of going under the radar still compared to V5, compared to Vampire. So, it's it's just, it's an issue of exposure then. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, because Old World of Darkness did that a lot, right? Like, I remember reading Old World of Darkness books where it was, oh, yeah, here's, you know, Henrik Himmler. He's an NPC in this book. And, you yeah, know, the I mean, Tremere and the Zimache we, were, see, were in the Nazi party. We're going down this rabbit hole where we're, like, you know, exhuming the past. And, I mean, the past is the past. It's like there's there's nothing that can be done about it. And I think that we understand that a lot of that shit that was in those books is, like, questionable as fuck at this point, right? Like, nobody wants to play a fuck stargazer right now right nobody is like running out to get on that bandwagon or are they am i wrong i'm assuming there's someone out there who wants to play a stargazer (laughs) there's got to be somebody well yeah there's always one there's always one guy werewolf is very problematic as a book but i mean we all we all know that the (laughs) 90s shit is problematic as fuck yeah definitely but i mean i think the overall point of where i was going with uh you know what i was just saying is that there needs to be really a, uh, uh, I think, a good, consistent vision for community management, which there was not mm-hmm. under uh, the previous rendition of, uh, of White Wolf. And I think that uh, having a lot more careful analysis of what you're going to print and also just a consistent message is a, is a pretty important thing. 
And we've seen actually some interesting changes going on lately where uh, now Modiphius uh, Entertainment is going to be publishing a lot of the um, uh, vampire material. And they're already going back and they're kind of revising some things with the uh, previously published V5 books uh, to make sure that their message moving forward is more consistent. Um, I think that's that's going to help kind of mend things in the uh, the overall community itself. I, I think um, that you're so, right. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. I was going to say, and I th- there's also a lot of good material coming out. I feel that that will be coming out. So there's, I think, um, so at UK Games Expo, they they spoke of the new starter set. So I think, Mike, what you were saying about the smaller intro rule set that that we initially we thought would be done is going to become a thing uh because you know if you t- if you strip out a lot of v5 the rules do fit into a very small space and you can cut you could mostly cut out a lot of the disciplines and just leave discipline levels one to three uh and then have a very concise game uh in that sense so yeah i think modifius modifius though i think obviously most really have a very good handle of this thing just because they're a more mature company compared to what white wolf knew white wolf was yeah, um, I mean, I, I I take your point there. I I will. Here's what I will say on that: um, is White Wolf came out and they had this idea that they were going to create this game that wasn't like anything that you had seen before, and that was what their first offerings looked like. They looked very weird to somebody who was a traditional gamer and kind of coming to it from that that point of view. And and they had this kind of statement, this sort of company statement of like, this is a game for a new type of gamer. And it's like, but then traditional gamers felt kind of like weirdly alienated by these products that they didn't know what to do with. And when you look at the the second Modifius took over the license and they released their very aggressive slate of new material for it, you just saw, well, okay, I know exactly what these books are. I know what's going to be in them. I can start getting stoked for them before they even come out. And you just saw that kind of sense of, we know what needs to go into a fucking role-playing book. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And actually, so here's another interesting point, and I'd love to hear the uh, Fullmetal RPG kind of opinions on it. But oh, yikes. When, uh, when, no, 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 when, <laughs> uh, what was it, like 2015, when um, New White Wolf kind of, like, came about, they were making, like, all of these, like, big, uh, you know, announcements about the uh, the blockbuster LARPs that they're doing blockbuster live action role-playing and i think it's actually i don't know if you've like followed the larp scene that much but there's been a lot of like really rough stuff going on economically with it uh the biggest like larp studio joback just completely collapsed like uh uh four months ago or something and apparently there was like you know tens of thousands of euros in debt um this is the college of wizardry guys isn't it yeah, exactly. They actually yeah. ran a uh, the convention of Thorns LARP for uh, for White Wolf, mm. and uh, a lot of other. Uh, there was another LARP company that had something like eleven LARPs announced for a year, and they wound up canceling eight of them because just because they couldn't get enough people to sign up, and there's a lot of concerns about because when you have those uh, sorts of. Uh, sometimes LARPs could get canceled, and you might not get your money back, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, so that makes people very nervous about spending a lot of money on these very expensive live action experiences. Um, so it seems as though like the original vision uh, that 
was announced for for the world of darkness a couple years back might not even have been tenable and you know might have just actually dodged a bullet uh by having all the uh, the restructuring that's going on oh that's fascinating that's really fascinating to hear i mean i i I, for one, will say that I was deeply resentful of White Wolf's focus on LARPers coming back. And I understand that in Europe, they were the people who were keeping the scene alive, but I've always considered Vampire to be a tabletop game. And um, the, the concept that there are going to be these like LARP troops that are like running profitable business models running LARPs, I mean, that struck me and still kind of strikes me as being weirdly absurd. I mean, I don't know how you make money doing that. Like, I don't know how you stay solvent doing that. It just always looks like some somebody was just showing me some like an Instagram of like D&D in a castle. And there's like a fucking castle and huge banners hanging off the side. And I'm just like, I don't know how that makes money. But um, like if, if that's something people want to do and they want to put their time and effort to build a community, and that's what, all, what LARPs always struck me as being before, is almost kind of like ground up, kind of horizontal enterprises rather than vertical enterprises that had like a capitalistic component. Now, if people want to run like horizontal LARPs that are like really cool, then fine, more power to them. Go down to your local goth club and play paper, rock, scissors. I don't care. But like vampire needs to be a, a well-done tabletop game book if i'm going to be buying them that's my hot take adam go ahead i'm sorry buddy so you know these guys all came from a nordic LARP tradition so to a certain extent i understand their focus on it i've played in larps i played in one for years i don't know that i've ever played in a larp that i would consider quote unquote you know good or phenomenal uh, you know i've had plenty of tabletop sessions that i thought were really great there's just a level of buy-in i think and to to your point, Michael, expense that you're going into when you want to do these LARP things. Like, if I want to be part of Convention of Thorns, I'm looking at vacation time, you know, tickets to Europe, a hotel, costuming, all of the rest of that stuff. And, and there may be a certain segment of the gaming population that wants to go all into that degree. I'm not one of them. Um, so I kind of wonder if that's not just limiting your market from the get-go. And Oh, yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, and so it was just one of those things where I was like, it, there's a there's a thing that we talk about in software, which is brilliant basics. Like, you have to, you have to nail your basics um, because if you don't have the basics down, if you don't have the fundamentals, no one's going to give a shit what your app does if they can't, like, log in, right? If they can't use it, if it times out, those sorts of things. So you have to nail your basics. And to, to Brendan's point, the basics of Vampire the Masquerade or Masquerade came from was a tabletop experience and if you can't pin that down if you can't get that right you're building on sand you're not going to be able to build you know a, a strong edifice on top of you know what is essentially quicksand so you really have to nail that down and that was my take on the situation that was my read anyway as to what they were doing and how they were going about it yeah, and the other thing is they... oh go ahead adam Oh, I was going to say, the other thing was they've kind of let the cart drive the horse with regards to, you know, as you were saying, their community management. Um, the community has been kind of giving them an awful lot of edicts and orders, and they've been complying, which I think is potentially a mistake. And that's all I had. And I've never been a LARPer, so I don't really know much about that scene other than it was all the drama nerds and the band kids in high school. 
but not the cool guys like you, right? Oh like no, I, I was the- I was below that level, so like, oh, okay. <laughs> like I wasn't cool enough to run with those people. So, uh, but the thing I see in the indie RPG scene is there's a lot of new LARPs coming along. Uh, it seems like there's kind of a, a at least a, in the United States. So a lot of the Norwegian LARPs and stuff are coming over and becoming part of the indie RPG scene. Like, so like games on demand, uh, at like Gen Con and other, uh, like origins have been starting to host, uh, more LARPs, uh, like single, like two to four hour experiences, kind of like you get a section of a room kind of a LARP in these kind of weird esoteric, uh, settings, so I kind of think they the LARP scene might be going through kind of what RPGs went through, which is kind of this ebbing of the big stuff, and then there's going to be this diaspora of smaller LARPs that kind of t- fill that void for those people. But that's just my outsider opinion. So, well, gentlemen, um, we are running low on time. So, Mike, do you want to tell uh, the listeners how they can um, interface with DDR for the 10-year anniversary, like what you guys have coming up and like what uh, people have to look forward to? Oh, geez, yeah. We have a lot of like uh, really cool stuff going on over at uh, Darker Days Radio, which you can check out at www.darker-days.org. Uh, we've got our podcast, obviously, but there's a lot of other content that we do. Uh, Chris just does like fun stuff on YouTube and Twitch where you know he paints and talks about games, so you can see him using the, like, those GW contrast paints and all of that, um, and get some painting tips while also getting some RPG tips. Um, and in addition to like our podcast overall, which has uh, a lot of World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness content, uh, we'd like to cover a lot of uh, different like horror games and like dark fantasy stuff. So, for example, you guys were talking about uh, the Black Void before, and uh, we're probably going to be, uh, we will definitely be um, reviewing that pretty soon in the next couple months. Uh, so, just a lot of different content overall. And yeah, if you want to talk to us on uh, Facebook, we're facebook.com slash Darker Days Radio, at Darker Days Radio on Twitter. And also, we are uh, on Discord. We've got a little Discord server, which you can find in, hopefully, the Full Metal RPG show notes, because I'll send it to Brendan. Oh, thank and, you. Thank you, sir. Yep. Can do. And Chris, I think you've got a lot of like cool announcements uh, yeah. for like content coming up, not only so, for Darker Days, but also your own work. Yeah, so um, yeah, to follow on from that, uh, people can find more stuff on WordPress, because obviously WordPress is quite good for written reviews of certain things, so for board games or miniature games. So like Mike, you reviewed, um, you, you've done at least the first part of unboxing Farsight, and I think you're painting that as well. Um, and then releases and other things. So like to catch up on the 10th anniversary stuff, obviously there's the episode where we, uh, the 10th anniversary show live from UK Games Expo. Uh, so that's with like Modiphius, White Wolf, and Onyx Pathwriters. Uh, and then other things coming up, uh, well, or, or things around. Obviously, Darker Days Radio is moving into pastures new as well. So you can go on the Storytellers Vault and buy things that we have written. So there is things like The Hunger Within, which is a, uh, a one shot set in Deepest Darkest Herefordshire in the UK. So it's based on my hometown. Uh, And you can actually listen to the episode we played through that uh, years ago. It's on Darker Days Radio. You can find that episode. But you can now buy it as a scenario to play through for Chronicles of Darkness. Uh, There is the Venice Unmasked setting book for First Edition Changeling the Lost. When I get around my arse into gear, there'll be a 
there'll be stats also for second edition changing the loss but that's a whole city book uh for of about venice and the supernatural uh society of the changelings uh in that in that place uh and then also mike and i put out recently um the geist the sin eaters first edition one shot scenario and also mini setting book uh because it is called the uh it's called ashes of memory and it's set in paris uh during a riot uh, and we also ran that, I ran that at UK Games Expo as part of the Contagion Chronicle event, so that was hilarious. Um, ooh, and then we're planning a new uh, release. Uh, it'll mostly be about another two months before it's ready to go out, because I still need to write stuff for it. Um, uh, but it's going to have Vampire, The Requiem, uh, Mage, The Awakening, and Wealth, The Forsaken Content, so it's called The Secret Frequency File, so ooh. stay tuned for that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're basically nice. going back over all our old content and giving it rules. Yeah, um, nice. Love it. Love that. And then... And then the so we'll do more and more stuff through Storyteller Vault um, as as and when we can. I think James, who who uh, guest hosts every so often with us and you know works with me at UK Games Expo for stuff, he's writing some D and D fifth edition content uh, for the DMs Guild. So uh, we'll put that out, out, you know put that out under the DDR. Um, uh, banner because you know he can then because there's other people on or, you know other people as part of Dark Days Radio like you know like Chig and like Pete and uh, and Matt and you know they're into games that I'm not into or you know so it's good that we've got quite a plethora of of things that we can apply the same skill sets but to different games um, and then finally the things that are going on for me is since UK Games Expo I'm now contract I've been writing for the Wrath and Glory RPG. So that's for Warhammer 40,000. So let's cover this really short. So Wrath and Glory RPG was is a is a licensed RPG from Games you know Games Workshop owns a license obviously the only IP. They licensed it out to Ulysses Spiel North America. They had it for maybe about a, I want to say less than a year maybe. They got the game book out anyway. But now Cubicle 7 has the license. So it's still called Wrath and Glory. The rules aren't changing. There is a revised rulebook coming out, and then new content. So I've been working on the revised rulebook, and you know it's it's going to have some extra things in there, and all of my advice on role playing because I've been writing the GM section. <laughs> um, so you get all my ideas on uh, how to run 40k RPGs and uh, and stuff like that, and suggestions for like frameworks and so forth. So we've tried to cram a lot more stuff in there and make it as useful as possible so yeah going forward there's gonna be more of that um we've got some other cool shit going on so august is of course uh first and to the fourth is of course gen con and over here in old blighty we've got two of these pop-up events they're doing for gen con so there are events that are tied to gen con that aren't at gen con and these two are the only two events that are occurring outside of the uk one of them is occurring at a gaming store that's a very prominent one in manchester my old uh, haunting grounds um so it's called fanboy 3 is the is the gaming store and they have asked me to run demos of vampire the masquerade fifth edition uh and i said can i run some wrath and glory and they were like yeah go on then so i'm doing two days there uh one for v5 and one for wrath and glory they will use brand new scenarios so um and uh there will not just be me there is a team 
of people I'm putting together to run these demos who will do high quality demos. That's the point, because I'm taking all of my experience of working for Games Workshop in a store and going, this is how you run demos. This is the point of it. You are representing the best aspects of this game and the podcast, because, you know, uh, I'll be I'll be cracking the whip and getting people into shape on doing good shit. Um, so yeah, and the new scenario for V5 is called the Araman Contract and follows on from the stuff that Mike and I have been writing about, uh, you know, doing the demos, you know, Ascension Night and Make Blood Boil, which are free demos for V5. This will eventually be another free demo for, uh, you know, scenario, I mean, for Vampire 5th Edition and further expands upon the kindred history of Manchester in the UK. And that's pretty much everything I'm allowed to say. Well, that's there quite a bit, cool man. Shit. Sounds great. There's other cool shit I will announce when I'm allowed to. I'm just waiting for ink on paper and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, completely understandable. Completely understandable. It sounds like you have a lot going on uh, with all that. I mean, Jesus, that's 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 quite a bit. And so I think we have some listeners in that area. So if you are listening to the show and you want to be involved, find your way down, get at DDR, Fanboy3, go get some fucking games. And then I think uh, I'll be I'll be at Gen Con, but I think I'll be the only uh, Full Metal RPG per person at at Gen Con this year. So um well, you won't be alone then cuz um Chig will be at Gen Con as well, being yeah. our roving reporter. Like, so like you can always every just year, team every up year, and pull never the get resources. never get to see Chig. Every year I'm I'm at Gen Con, he's at Gen Con, I never see him. What's up with that? Uh, and Mike, we'll, are you doing? We'll get you in contact <laughs> with them. And Mike, are you doing PAX Unplugged again? Is that coming up later this year or PAX East? I don't know which. Wow, well, yeah, is. we won't be doing that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. PAX Unplugged is going to be coming up, and uh, I will be there. I don't know what I will be demoing. Last year it was Vampire. Year before it was uh, Dark Ages Mage, and uh, we'll see what happens this year. Oh man, cool, cool. All right, great. Yeah. Well, um, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you. Uh, it's it's really just it's just always awesome to have luminaries of your stature in our midst. Thank you for everything that you do for our show. Thank you for everything you have done for us. Thank you for what you have done for the role playing community in general, and uh, I mean that in sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it just getting to know you guys is so great. Um, Adam, yes. Do you want do you want to do you want to see us out, bro? You want to do the thing? Certainly. So we are Full Metal RPG. You can find us at FullMetalRPG.com if you'd like to read the reviews for Ghosts of Saltmarsh and Acquisitions Incorporated that disappeared into the ether. Those are both posted up at FullMetalRPG.com right now, ready for you to read. Find us on Instagram, FullMetalRPG. Find us on Facebook. Do a search for Full Metal RPG. We should come up there too. And if you'd like to email us. Hit us up at fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you to our special guests, Michael and Chris, for coming on. We love you guys, and we love what you do. And as always, we hope that everyone has a great rest of the week. And until we speak to you again, have a great night. Have a good night. Take it easy. See ya.